Broadcasting live from the Vegas Video Network studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Talk Tales with Chris Phillips. Coming up on today's show, Vegas host extraordinaire, Sean Feeney. And now your host, the unreasonably handsome, Chris Phillips. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. No, stop that. Well, guys, we are so excited. Uh, as you may or may not know, this is the first show of the new year. We are now in 2012. Ladies and gentlemen, we are watching Talk Tales coming to you live from Las Vegas. Uh, my name is Chris Phillips, and I am so glad that I'm still here after the New Year's Eve celebrations that took place here in this town. Uh, we couldn't be more happy to have you join us each and every Monday evening here from the Vegas Video Network, where we like to get together and, uh, you know, have a few cocktails. And as you know, we love to talk to the people that make up the fabric of our community, particularly those involved with entertainment and uh, producers and nightclubs and, and all the things that people come here to get in trouble at. And today we are so excited. We have a, a very interesting guest, but before we get to him, uh, just want to let you know right off the bat, as usual, get a little maintenance done here, Scott. Uh, you can contact us anytime by simply emailing us at talktales at vegasvideonetwork.com. Uh, we also have a toll-free number if you uh, don't have a computer like me. <laughs> and that number, of course, is 866-966-4599. And if you are lucky enough to be watching us live, you can go to our live chat room, and we'd love to entertain any questions that you may have for my guest or myself. Uh, there's several places you can see us, as you probably know, of course. Our home is VegasVideoNetwork.com, which uh, is the home to not just our show, Talk Tales, but uh, to several others uh, every night of the week, and they're incredible. Uh, we can also be found on iTunes, which, Scott, you're going to be very proud of me. For the first time last week, because I got my mother a... Uh, one of those iPhone things. Yes. Those iPhone for Christmas. things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to figure out how to download music for the first time in my life from iTunes. And I found us on there. I was shocked. That, you weren't kidding. No, I'm really there. I almost never lie to you, Chris. It's a, <laughs> it's a thing for me. I was like, wow, this is kind of legitimate. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's Scott Whitney's a pretty honest kid. <laughs> okay. And then you can find us, of course, on that thing where you go find all kind of naughty things called YouTube. I wonder if you can find a YouTube. No, no. I wonder if you can find a YouTube video of getting your tubes tied. Oh, for the love of God! I, what? <laughs> for the love of God! No. Uh, You're not going to find anything naughty on YouTube unless it's a special <laughs> YouTube. There are YouTube. some tubes that you can find naughty stuff. I've heard. I don't know. Uh, you know, we also recommend getting out your Roku player or <laughs> whatever. You're not player. <laughs> I'm trying to get through all these things. Uh, we're also syndicated on the radio here in Las Vegas at KSHP 1400 AM on Friday nights. You're like a wounded puppy. I just want you to go. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and move on. I feel so sad for you. <laughs> I need to be saved. I know. <laughs> well, speaking of being saved, oh, Lord, let me tell you something, Scott. As usual on Mondays, I come in here a little... Weak and weary from the weekend, and last night was no exception. Had a nice, lovely evening and found myself 
waking up at the Four Seasons Hotel, mm. uh, not knowing where I am. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God for your, your text, or I would still be there saying, Chris, we do have a show today. <laughs> Again, my little puppy, Chris. <laughs> so let me ask you, did you have a good New Year's Eve, Scott? Uh, yeah, you know what we did? What did you do? When we first moved here back in 05, we did Fremont Street Experience. Oh, good. Wanted to experience that. And it was pretty cool. Saw Cheap Trick, oh and, which was pretty cool. Uh, they were a little off. But we thought we'd been here for seven years. Let's go back again and kind of check it out. And all the, it was, uh, what was it called? Tribute Palooza. All the bands were tribute bands. And some were really, really good. You, who did they have out there? I, I assume like. Uh... They had, well, they had a, uh, a Led Zeppelin band. And they, had a, they had a whole bunch of those, you know, ACDC band, Bon Jovi band, that kind of stuff. The guys that crushed it uh, was one called Rock Sugar, which was a, a rock uh, mashup. They take a pop song and a rock song and put it together. And then a real well-known band here called uh, Steel Panther. They are very good friends of mine yeah, in the old they, days. They, they played, are wildly popular. They played. They crushed it. Now, I thought they were a, a cover band. They're not, of course. They do their own stuff. It is some, some of the most filthiest lyrics yeah. I've ever heard. God bless their little <laughs> they hearts. They tend to get a little dirty in their live shows, yeah. It was a, it was a very good live show, and uh, we had a great time. Lots and lots of people there. It was, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Well, you know, those guys uh, in particular, you point them out. Like I said, they're friends of mine from years ago. They all come from... Uh, back when we were all doing disco novelty bands 10, 15 years ago, and they come from the Boogie Night Company uh, that really reinvented live music about 15 years ago. And I, I will fully admit uh, I was influenced by them back when I was a heavy metal drummer seeing what these guys were doing and the money they were making and being treated mm. like rock stars. Mm. So I said, hey, let's get into the cover band business and... Uh, it certainly changed my life, but I, I, I owe it to the Boogie Night Company for uh, kind of guiding me down that path to <laughs> unreasonable behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those guys come from that, and they, they started this band where they come out and they, uh, you know, they put on the wigs, and they be, they're very authentic you know, uh, musicians that come from that era who really understand that music, but they put on this awesome show. Oh, yeah. But they're, they're, they are killing it, like you said. They, oh. they pack the house. They're, I think they're actually even touring and opening for Motley Crue. Is that right? For something well, they had a, I mean, you could tell that they had a huge following. They have a, a particular song that includes a particular hand gesture. Yes. And, uh, I know which, what you're talking about. Which I did not know until after listening to the lyrics, and I thought, my God, that is hysterical, and I can't let anybody hear it. Uh, but they, it, though, half the crowd knew this hand. Oh, they're huge! Thing. Yeah, they sell thousands yeah, of that, records. Well, there we are. It's amazing. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the crowd shots there. And you know what's so funny is these they they, they come across as this band that's very lurid and yeah. sexual. They're all married and have kids and the oh, sweetest right? guys. And I shouldn't say that because they're the the nicest guys in the world and they they all have families and it's, and then you you get the guys like me who try to come across as a upstanding citizen here on stage and then behind closed doors is complete deviant. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because Melissa uh, texted, and she just got an iPhone, and so she texted, I'm jealous of the bass player's hair. He's got this beautiful oh, yeah. long hair. And somebody wrote on her Facebook page, it's a wig. Well, they're all wigs, yeah, sure. Oh, we, we're, we are so naive. That's a great rock star. <laughs> now, he looks good. He's that, that, he wears he, a wig well. 
He's a very pretty man. Yes, he is. I don't want to say that anymore. <laughs> well, with uh, the passing of uh, 2011, going into 2012, I think the thing I like most about New Year's Eve is it's a time to repent your sins from the year prior. I had a, a little bit of a list <laughs> that I had to go through in my repentance. And so I'm getting to start fresh, but I, I have, did you make a resolution? Uh, just to get you on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that I could actually show up? Just want you in the studio, baby. <laughs> That's it. I, I made two resolutions. I'm holding true to both of them so far. Very proud of that. One is to uh, uh, drink more in 2012 than I did in 2011. <laughs> and as of this week, I just created a new resolution. And that is, I swear, Ira, Scott, I am no longer going to date girls with parents younger than me. They have to be at least my age. Yeah. So what, what's the over-under on the age? Well, I met one that was two years younger than me this week, and I thought, that, there's just something wrong with that. Even I, Even I thought there was something wrong with that. Was she a nice gal? The mother? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. she, was, she thought I was uh, a little old for her daughter. Yeah, what? Well, okay, well, okay. But then we all went out on a triple date, and it was kind of cool. Nice. You know you're going to hell, right, Chris? Yeah, but like I said, as long as they have a VIP section, I'm good to go. That's good. I, I will. Bottle I, service in hell. Yes, it will, it'll be a very pretty hell. Oh, but God. But I think you're going to hell. Yeah. No, um, to be honest, uh, this has been a weird week. You know, I, as in the last show, we were talking about how I broke up with my girlfriend over the past two years. And then I started dating some others. Mm -hmm. But she moved back in, Scott. What? <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm, she, moved, she moved back in. That doesn't mean we're necessarily dating. No. Every night. That's <laughs> no, I'm but I introduced it. her to some of my new friends, and they're all getting along fine. Lovely. I have, I have several bedrooms, so we're okay. Yes. <laughs> I, God, I'm I just telling just, the truth. I, I I'm would, not going to lie to you. People. I just want to follow you around one night <clears throat> and just kind of watch the mayhem. Well, I'll tell you. Um, speaking of mayhem, uh, Vegas is known for getting in trouble, and it's the mayhem capital of the world. And I'll tell you why. It's not, it's not just because uh, we have the greatest restaurants, the greatest shopping, and as you all know, for many years, this has been known as the entertainment capital of the world. We have the best shows in town, but it's become a very different place in the last 10 years, Scott, because it's now the nightclub entertainment capital of the world. Sure. Uh, I would say in the last 10 years, we probably have some of the most uh, incredible, uh, and in terms of revenue, uh, I think it's safe to say that you take the top 10 clubs in this town, in three days, they will generate more money than all the shows put together in Las Vegas in three months. Mm. Wow. That's the difference these days. Nightclubs have taken over. And up to this point on this show, for the past seven or eight months, I've had the great opportunity of interviewing some of the uh, headliner entertainers and producers and people who are involved in show business. Well, today we have somebody with us who is part of the nightclub world. In fact, he is one of the, I guess you might call, uh, top three or four royalty, I guess you might say, of, of nightclubs and VIP uh, 
hosts here in town. He's worked at several of the major clubs. He's had his own VIP hosting company. Uh, he is part of this world, Scott, that is, is literally changing the face of Las Vegas. And we're going to go to a short break, but when we come back, we have my dear friend, and a, a good-looking man, too, I might add. Uh, Mr. Sean Feeney is with us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as you pointed out earlier, VIP extraordinaire. So we'll be back in just a minute. You're watching, watching Talk Tales here on the Vegas Video Network. I'm Chris Phillips, and uh, hope you're having a great new year. Traditional media believes that after about three minutes, you'll tune out. Most Vegas media companies think if it doesn't jiggle, you won't tune in. At the Vegas Video Network, we think both are wrong. The Vegas Video Network is the first and only live online broadcast network that specializes in insider news and expert views about Vegas. We combine great storytelling with the ability to watch when and where you want on your computer, mobile device, or television. Discover the real Las Vegas. Visit VegasVideoNetwork.com. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I'm Chris Phillips. You're watching Talk Tales. And we are so excited today because uh, we have sitting with us uh, my dear friend, Mr. Sean Feeney. Thank you. Thank, oh. you. Thank you very much. Yes, it is an honor to have you here, uh, especially because I know in your business, um, this is probably the earliest you've had to wake up in months. Yeah. And it's by my clock, it's 7 o'clock in the I'm evening. I'm not really up right now. <laughs> no. I took some Ambien last night. I think I'm walking around in my sleep. Oh, I can't even imagine. You lead a rather extraordinary life, my friend. Um, for those of you who may not have been to Las Vegas in a while, nightclubs have literally changed the landscape of this city. Uh, it's all about clubs now. It's all about the exclusivity of the big, high-dollar, mega clubs that are literally not bringing in hundreds of people, but thousands of people. They're not generating thousands of dollars, they're generating millions of dollars. And today, you can't, well, it's, I, I, this is unfair. I'll, I'll put it this way. If you want to experience a nightclub the way you should, you got to know a host. You got to be guided into the club. You have to have bottle service. You have to have a, a prearranged table to truly enjoy uh, the experience that is now the nightclubs in Las Vegas, and the man who does that, he is literally uh, at top of his game. He is the man to talk to here in town. Sean, uh, we, we are so honored to have you here because we have never been able to discuss the nightclub world. Now, the thing that's interesting about speaking with you is that there's a lot to talk about, none of which we can talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that, but before we talk about uh, what's going on these days, I know that you go back several years in terms of nightclub experience, taking you back to Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't mind, just really quickly, let, let us know, how did you get started in this business? I know it goes back to the early 2000s when I think you got involved with House of Blues, wasn't it? Out Actually, in, uh, it was uh, the early 1990s. Okay. To be honest with you, I shouldn't probably tell anybody that. But uh, yeah, uh, the first House of Blues started in 92 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That was the first uh, one? That was the very first one. I did one. not know that. The original House really? of Blues, yes. Um, right huh. across the street from Harvard. Is that right? Yes, yes, on Winthrop Street. Uh, it was 92. I had just graduated um, college, and I found my, my feet coming out of my sneakers. I had no money. Sure. So I wanted to get in, you know, to the nightclub business and uh, start generating some income. 
uh, and ended up staying in it. Opened up the first House of Blues in 92. Um, had the opportunity to travel around the world with them, or around the country, I should say. Um, did the uh, store in, in Los Angeles after Boston. Then I went over to uh, Myrtle Beach and then down to Florida and then ended up here in Vegas. Well, and prior to that, is, did I understand that you were at least, or at one point, a pilot? Well, I am a pilot still. I mean, once a pilot, always a pilot. You retain your, your license, but that was my major in college. Uh, uh, I was an aviation major, and uh, it took me up all the way up through to a, a commercial license and whatnot. So, yeah, it was interesting. Wow. But it well, uh, cost so a lot to do, and then you yeah, had to get into the uh, nightclub business to pay off all that debt, and then end so up you, staying you in. Make <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, so you, you came to Vegas. Uh, what brought you here? Because uh, you So the final stop was, uh, with the House of Blues tour anyways, uh, was the uh, Mandalay Bay opening. Uh, they brought in the House of Blues, and they brought in the Foundation Room, which is the penthouse level of uh, Mandalay Bay. And at that time, that was very exclusive. It was uh, members only, correct? Members only. It was uh, the glory days, I like to call it, of uh, nightclubbing. Uh, I still have locals come up to me today and say, my God, did you, do you remember the foundation room back in those days? Do you remember that when we opened it in 99? And I said, yes, I remember, and it was fantastic. For the first three or four years, it was, it was an incredible, incredible spot. It still is. I love the venue. Oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful venue. Now, I know that uh, since your um, inception into the club business mm -hmm. to today, things have changed considerably as to uh, how a person is to negotiate their, their way into a club, what happens now, the advent of bottle service and tables. Right. That, you know, when I used to go out to nightclubs, talk about showing my age, there was no such thing as bottle service. No, there you, were no you, you basically showed up. Tables. You showed up and it was a free-for-all. If, you showed, up, you, if you showed up first, you got the best spot. Right. Now you could show up uh, an hour early and get no spot, or you will right. get no spot, you know, particularly in, the, in some of the number one clubs. It's all come down to uh, bottle service, as you mentioned. And you know, in order to, to get a, um, a, a decent location, or really any location, uh, in terms of sitting down in a, in a table or whatnot, you have to purchase bottles in this town. Um, this is the, the, the bit largest town for it. It also takes place in Los Angeles and Miami and New right. York and that sort of thing. But Vegas has kind of taken it to a whole new level. Well, I know that you've been uh, involved in several different uh, clubs and uh, club companies mm -hmm. that uh, own and operate these mega clubs uh, over the last years. One of which, uh, which is where I met you, is you were the VIP manager over at the world-renowned Excess, mm -hmm. uh, part of the Win Encore family. Yep. And using that as an example, mm -hmm. uh, I know from personal experience, if you don't have a table and you don't have bottle service, you almost don't want to go. Because otherwise, you're just kind of herded around like cattle. You might be able to dance on the dance floor, go to the bar, get a cocktail. But if you really want to enjoy the night uh, and experience the nightclub, you got to go through the procedure of getting a table, getting the bottle service. Now, the reason I bring that up is I find this interesting because, you know, back in my day, you could pay a $20 cover charge to get into a club mm -hmm. and have maybe $60, $80 for the cocktails, and it'd be a great night. That is not the case anymore. No, that's that is not the case. That's yeah. that's the tip for the bathroom attendant. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Uh, what is, in your guesstimation, I, I guess you might say, an average, uh, I guess you might say, bill for a guy that wants to come in, get a table, bring five, six of his friends, 
uh, get a couple bottles. What are we looking at now to go to a nightclub these days? You know, a lot of the um, speaking. yeah, the premier nightclubs in town um, typically work on uh, what's called the one for three ratio. So the club is um, requiring that group to purchase a bottle for every three people uh, to come into the venue with bottles averaging kind of the same around town, about $500 per before tax and gratuity. Now, the club owners, investors and whatnot, uh, they try to protect their interests as well. So although we, many clubs do work on a one for three ratio, one bottle for every three people, many of the areas also have uh, limits set to them in order to get that spot. So basically what I'm saying is, the club doesn't want a, a group of six coming in saying, fantastic, we're here. We're going to buy the two bottles that were required, and um, we'd like that table over there. When that table is actually $10,000 minimum before tax and gratuity. <laughs> $10,000 minimum yeah. for a table. Yes, before tax and gratuity. So in other words, you were tending to the drunk, rich people that come to town <laughs> yeah, wanting yeah. to get in a little bit of trouble, and you're the guy to talk to. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. So... You know, it, it has. It, it's gotten, um, you know, it, it can be cost prohibitive, you know. I would not say that if you don't have the money, don't come. By no means no, I would say I, that. Because it's an event. It, it, it is a, it's a, in many of these places uh, that do these shows and these great DJs and these performances, uh, even if you don't have a table, it's fantastic. It's like being at uh, the Thomas and Mack Center, except there's actually a, a, a beautiful build out with beautiful booths and beautiful people and, and it's, and it's an event and a show. It really is. And, and when you mention a show aspect of it, too, things have changed so much over the last couple of years yeah. in the sense that uh, DJs back in my day were people you never saw. They were right. up in a corner somewhere. There was right. no celebritism to the DJ at all. And they played records that you would recognize that would be on the radio. Exactly. Now, the DJs have completely crushed live music in the sense that you can't find live music in a nightclub unless you have to go see Zoe Bowie out in the woods. Yeah. DJs have become huge celebrities, big time uh, money generating figures that will come into a club. Uh, last time I was uh, excess, as a matter of mm -hmm. fact, I went to, uh, on a night to go see a DJ named Dead Mouse, as an, as an example. Scott, there wasn't 800 people in there. There was 8,000 people that came yeah. through the door that night yeah. where you expanded it into the pool area. These guys have become mega superstars demanding hundreds of thousands of dollars for an appearance. So they become the concert, a DJ. Yes, no, it is. It's incredible. It, it, it is Spinning incredible. records. It is incredible. <laughs> um, you know, there are some places out there that you can still see in a performance. Uh, One Oak, for instance, you can see a performance there. And may I? Just had Adam Levine uh, last Friday, Pitbull the Friday before, and there's performance-driven places still. That's great. So, and that's fantastic, yes, and, and something that Vegas needs to have. Desperately. Um, but yes, you're right. Um, some of these mega, mega DJs, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm with you. A DJ was, was somebody you never saw. Right. And now it has become very, very DJ-centric. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I get it, you know, especially under certain influences, the music that DJs... Uh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That kind of music, it's conducive to a nightclub atmosphere. Because really when it boils down to the, to the bare, let's just get right down to it. You go to clubs to hopefully get lucky. Sure. And you have to put yourself in a frame of mind <laughs> that is to some degree altered. And that's almost like the DJs supply a soundtrack to that mentality and that mind frame 
that goes into a late night Vegas club, and it's awesome. I have to admit. You need to like, put that on, on some sort of uh, <laughs> web page or something, opening to a nightclub. Yeah, you know, I get that's it. A, that's you a know, great way to explain because it. Because I, I fought that for a while, being a live entertainer, um, being driven out of town, so to speak, not literally, but most bands have by these DJs. I didn't get it at first. Now I do. I, I think I, I think it's uh, exciting. I, I think they're terribly interesting, talented guys that are deserving of every dime they're getting. Uh, some, some, some. You if know, they, and if they bring people through the door. Then yes, why not? You know, no, I agree. People are paying ten grand to sit down to hear a DJ and to get lucky. Hey, man. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and and I guess that's stayed the same. You know, that's probably the only thing that's stayed the same is coming in to see the DJ and hopefully get lucky in a nightclub. But well, something else that has stayed the same. Is something we've been doing ever since we started this program eight Which months is? ago, and that is having what we call a live chat room, where uh -huh. people watching the show can actually chime in and ask a question live on the air. Okay. We have some of your fans oh. who are watching right now, and I'm do you scared. mind fielding a question, my friend? Yeah. As simple as you need to be. Filter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a couple questions. The first okay. one is from D N L S E L, Densel, I guess. And uh, they ask, what major changes does Sean see for the future of Vegas nightclubs? Attractions? What do you think? You know, it, it's, it's almost impossible to predict. To have seen what has happened in my stay, I, like, as I mentioned, I got here in 99, opened up the Mandalay Bay and did the foundation room there. Um, and when I came to town, there was just really, I mean, a couple of venues. You know, Ra yeah. was over there. Um, and, and they're, the primar they're primarily not in casinos, but off the strip, like ICE and some of these. Well, ICE, was, ICE wasn't even uh, started. That was, wow. uh, and I opened that as well. Yeah, I knew you did. But, um, you know, the Rio was doing something. Yep. I think it was more in their theater, so it wasn't yep. really. A, no, right. There was a place called Sharks that was actually yep. prior before, yep. before I was here. But to have seen the explosion and to have kind of predicted where it would have gone, if you, you know, 10 years prior, you would have never predicted that it would have become the the epicenter, party capital of the world. It I mean, is, and, and you know how with these uh, mega hotels up and down the strip, as with anything that is successful, they all got to have one. Well, and, and it's so funny, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, you, you, gosh, you wish you could go back uh, as some of these, you know, entrepreneurs did, uh, Andrew Sasson is one, and, you know, how, how more people like him did not, you know, have that vision and say, here we are in Las Vegas, it's got everything, Every sin, I guess you can imagine, but no nightclubs. I mean, it was, was that a was that a it's purposeful a new, thing? It's a new thing. And I think it may have been. I think that that general kind of thought of um, the casino operators of, we don't even want you to eat, but we'll provide you with a steak. We want you gambling. Yes. And so anything that they could do to leave out of the picture to keep you gambling was the best way to go for them. Yes. But then to to seeing it all transform into a more of a, an amenity style. Uh, town than it is now gambling, uh, you know, and then you saw the rise, but then you see that, and you'll see a lot of the build-outs in a lot of these um, different venues, they were afterthoughts. Yes. Because those, the structures were already built. And so now they had to take something that was some other room and turn it into a nightclub. Or, or the most extreme example, you take a brand new, multi-billion dollar property, gorgeous edifice called the Encore, which to me, I was so proud of Steve Wynn for building uh, this beautiful entrance. What are they called? The Porta Pache, the, the, where you pull in like Old Vegas and right, the valet yeah, and yeah. the beautiful entrance to the hotel. He tore that damn thing down 
to build a, what is now referred to as a day club, a pool party venue right oh, in the right, front right, of his right. hotel called uh -huh. Encore Beach Club, mm -hmm. which if I understand correctly, generates up to a million dollars a day. You know, there's a lot of uh, speculation in terms of, you know, what the different venues are making and uh -huh. that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I don't have that magic number. I can tell you that it's, it's incredible, you know, the, uh, it, how much that uh, I just see it on a day-in and day-out basis. Right. And without, you know, having to be some sort of a mathematician, uh, you know, you can figure out that it, it, it comes to be a very, very significant amount of money, <laughs> you know. But in terms of what exactly it's all bringing in, I'm not 100%. Sure. Well, we have one more question. Scott, who do you have over there? That'll be 10 more push-ups. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Bill has a, what is basically a business question. Are all VIP host employees or are they outside contractors or both? Well, actually, I've been both. Um, and the town has both. So you can uh, work for a specific organization um, and be a VIP host, or you can actually go off and do it independently and, um, and help out uh, anybody anywhere that they want to go, period, and not be tied to one single location. Now, in your case, I mentioned that you were the VIP manager over at Excess. Mm -hmm. And without being too specific, uh, there was a brand new club that just opened. It's the hottest new thing in town. Mm -hmm. They recruited you in, mm -hmm. and it's called One Oak. Correct. Uh, again, we I won't get too specific with the details of this because I know you're you're kind of bound uh, to uh, keeping certain uh, things rather secretive in, in lieu of your your clientele in particular, right. the people you work for. Mm -hmm. and, and I and I appreciate that and understand that. Has this been a positive thing for you, making a transition? Uh, are, you are you happy with what you're doing and where you're at and what's going on with you at this time? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's keeping you busy, I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic organization. Um, absolutely the best organization that I've ever worked for. Good. Um, and really, really, really making an impact um, in the community and in the industry in general. So, no, it's been a very, very positive thing. Well, I can't imagine the stories and things that you've seen over the years and the... I haven't seen anything. Oh, you haven't seen no. anything? No. <laughs> Considering... I've seen nothing. You've se I see I see nothing. nothing. <laughs> Schultz, you're dating well, I, yourself again. Yeah, I know. Well, thank you. Well, I know you cater to a lot of very uh, big-time, well-known names as mm -hmm. your clients, yep. uh, making sure that they are tended to. Um. Uh, without being specific, obviously, are some of them just a pain in the ass? Well, it's funny. Um, Do they expect the world? Because I know you're the guy that has to do it. I'll give you. I'll give you a, 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 a fun answer to it. You know, uh, as a host, no, um, not really. You know, they know that they they might be an A-list celebrity. They might be one of the best um, athletes in the world, but they're out of their own element, and they know that <laughs> they want, they need right. you to facilitate things because. They want that crowd away, or they want to be snuck in the back door. Or, and if you, if you take very, very good care of them and protect their interest by not coming on cocktails and telling them <laughs> all the things that, that, that go on, you know, then they, they come to you more often. So, and they're very appreciative of that. But to, to get to the more fun aspect, um, I opened up uh, the uh, House of Blues yeah. in um, Los Angeles. Right. In 1994 uh, to Aerosmith. That was fantastic. Um, they had, it was their first foundation room, which was their 
their high-end element. Yeah. And um, now that's a different story. Yeah, I was up there as, uh, as a, I did their bar. I was their bar trainer at that point. And no, it was, uh, I, it, you didn't get treated too well at that point. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah, not, not the same thing as being a host. So, yeah. Can't even imagine. I mean, you know, because you here's, here's the reason. Is because, I mean, in terms of money, they, and I guess there, there's some argument to it. If, if you get a, a vodka tonic from me and I say $15 and you are an A-list celebrity, and yes, you might have millions of dollars, but it's offensive for me to ask you that because in their mind, and there's some truth to it, you're promoting that venue because yes. it's going to yes. be throughout I, all the I, magazines. I, I, I know. So then for a lowly bartender to say $15, you right. know, Mr. So-and-so, it just it doesn't come off well. Let me ask you this, too, because I've, I've had uh, on occasion uh, been able to uh, attend some of these nightclubs with some of these celebrities. And it almost seems like you just said, you pretty much answered this, as though they're doing you a favor. And so... The thing that seems to aggravate me with some of the celebrities is they won't even tip. Now, do you find that most of them are good tippers or terrible tippers? Because the ones I've been with feel as though they're not even inclined to, to tip their damn weight. No, everybody, all of them that I have been really? in touch with Thank God. Have, been, have been great. Yes, no, fantastic. Because I, I was with a, a celebrity who, I won't mention his name, but he was probably the most famous basketball player of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. $28,000 bill. It's just not uncommon, I'm sure, for a lot of these people. $20 tip. $20 tip. Now, at that point, I understand that they're trying, they're, they, they're bringing some uh, validity to the club by branding themselves with the club. But it's, it's the server. It's, it's the person who's not making a whole lot of money and, sh you know, schlepping around, getting cocktails and stuff. That seems a little offensive to me. And I didn't know if that was, uh, in general, the case, or if that's rare, you know, I have I not. I, no, I, I specifically have not run into that uh, whatsoever. Um, everybody that I have been in touch with have been, uh, you know, very, very good about that. Um, and you know, one of the things uh, when you become friends with these people um, and take care of them, um, you know, to be honest with you, even if it wasn't the case. I, I, I wouldn't even be talking about it anyway. That's just not my, no, my place, not. you know what I mean? No, no, absolutely. And uh, they're there to have a good time. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's about service. And the good thing is is that the venues that I uh, become part of, um, you know, I, I give that service. You know, and it's always about service. And, you know, in this industry, a lot of people have come to, um, you know, just think that because a person is sitting in a certain spot or, or because somebody's just cracking a bottle that they deserve a tip. You know what? I don't believe that, you know, and I never have. And so, you know, you really have to take care of these people, you know, and when you do, they always are good. Oh, I, I, can, I can imagine. Another question, uh, kind of in, along those lines. Uh, normal Joe, coming here from Denver, walks up to the front of the club, 800 people in line. He goes to the front of the line, he sees uh, you or one of your uh, associates in suits, obviously some kind of a host or doorman of some sort. Does the old theory of tipping or greasing the palm of a host or a doorman, is that still effective as far as getting through the door, or is that, does that play no role anymore? You, know, well, I you guess guys it, have a table. No, can you actually I mean, get in by doing that? Is that something you can do still? Yes. I mean, you know, it, it's Vegas. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the problem becomes when, you know, people are out there and, you know, making that the focus 
mm-hmm. of, of the front door, which, you know, by no means is, is any door that I want to be a part of. You know, yes, if somebody is, 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 is wanting to, you know, not have to wait in line, and, and yes, yes, that is definitely a way that some people in certain venues can, can you know, create a point of sale that way uh, in order to, you know, get into the club a little bit quicker. I'm sure it happens, you know, all throughout town. Like I said, the problem is, is you know, you never want to make that a point of focus for the front door. And, and like, no place that I would. Because the experience I've had here in particular, here in Vegas, there's really two factors that go into uh, effectively negotiating your way into a club. One, of course, money is helpful. But it seems like even much more importantly than that is to show up with a couple of hot babes. The more hot babes you got around you, the easier you're going to get in. Is that is that still oh, that's a absolutely. huge factor, I would absolutely. think? Absolutely. Because it's all if about how are... many good-looking girls does a club have Oh, yeah. really differentiates Really, I mean, that, that, that comes down to it. I mean, you mentioned it in the beginning. I mean, if it wasn't for the, you know, the opposite sex and whatnot, there would be probably no such thing as nightclubs. Sure. Um, you know, that is, that's, that's what it comes down to. So, and, you know, to make that club aesthetically as pleasing as possible is, you know, putting in the, the, the most amount of the opposite sex as possible. And for whatever reason, the majority of the, the bottle buyers happen to be gentlemen. And so, sure. and if you want them to come in and you want them to have a good time, uh, and obviously you want to create revenue for your, for your establishment, uh, to have the most amount of ladies in there as possible uh, obviously helps to that end. So yes, a group of 16 guys on a bachelor party trying to get into the hottest club, probably not going to happen without buying some bottles. Sure. Well, we have another question. Uh, you're very popular, apparently. We have uh, somebody in the live chat room that would like to... Uh enter into this world as well. What do you got over there, Scott? Well, actually, Nate just asked, how about guys? So instead of 16 guys, let's just say it's like two or three guys. What's the tip for those guys to get in? Is it mm. dress? Is it, I mean, what can somebody do to get in? Yes, I mean, you to know. To go to the head of the line, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, 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 the main thing is to always be courteous. Obviously, you have to dress to impress, you know. Um, I've had friends call me down, uh, you know, I'll be working in the foundation room and to get down to the elevator is, is, is difficult. And, you know, your friends from, from Boston are here. And so you, you, you rush down there and they're, it's, it's Saturday night at 10 o'clock and they, they got baseball hats and shorts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, you know? But, uh, you know, that's just kind of the culture out there. Uh, so yes, you have to be dressed to impress, um, you know, and if, even if you don't have a ton of money, just dress in black. That's all you got to yeah, do, you know, right. and, don't, and don't wear a pair of sneakers. Um, and then, uh, you know, if, if, just be courteous, you know, and, and bring as many ladies as you can. But if you, if you can't do that, you know, the, the odds are that, you know, you'll be waiting in, in the line. But, you know, in many places, especially the places I work, we try to get that, you know, going as fast as possible. It's a fascinating business. Uh, I'll tell you, it, these are high-energy uh, environments that uh, I don't know how y'all keep things straight in there. There's so much going on. There's so much crazy activity. Uh, and above all else, there's so many beautiful women. What percentage of the women, this is an interesting question. Maybe you aren't able to even answer this, and I'm not sure if you can. In most of these nightclubs, what is the percentage of women that are brought into the club by the club and hired as almost, I think you might call atmosphere models. I know that's a common practice that many clubs probably don't talk about or advertise that they do. Um, 
the reason being I, I date some of these atmosphere models and I know that that's, that's something the clubs do to decorate the club. Is, is what would you say the percentage of hired guns would you say are walking and milling about in a club? You no, know, I think that, that, you know, I've heard the term too. Um, they haven't been at any of the venues that I've been at mm -hmm. only because I'm, I'm They haven't needed to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, t I'm, I'm at a, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to be at places that don't have to do that. That's good. Um, but yes, that is if you, you know, if something, a practice that is done. Especially if you get a uh, you club know, off the ground. In or the something. secondary or tertiary uh, venues and whatnot, yes, I have heard of the practice. Uh, but to be able to speak uh, intelligently on, you know, percentage-wise and that sort of thing, uh, I really don't have any clue as to, you know, that end. Unfortunately, I, you know, I, fortunately, I don't have, I'm glad I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? I, I completely understand. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, this has been so interesting to me, and I, I would like to ask you a favor because for so many reasons, I know we aren't really able to discuss certain aspects of what you do, who you work for, mm -hmm. uh, people you cater to, I would love to have you come back because okay. I, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. Would you be willing to come back in a Absolutely. couple of weeks and uh, maybe give us a little more insight into this world called nightclubs uh, here in Vegas? Because I find it fo so fascinating. I'm somebody who frequents them myself. And uh, I guess my big question of the day is if I were to come to One Oak this Friday, mm -hmm. and I bring some babes, mm -hmm. can I get in? And I won't wear sneakers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you got those shoes, I'll do it for you, okay? <laughs> well, my friend, this has been such a treat. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so happy that uh, you've found such tremendous success here in town. Uh, you guys rule the, the Las Vegas landscape at this point. You guys are bigger celebrities than any entertainers, I can tell you that. Believe me, I know. Uh, you got it going on, my friend, and I'm yeah. honored to have you sit here and uh, for the past 40 minutes, however, I feel like I have been kind of interviewing a younger, better-looking version of me. Oh, come on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just got to get one of these rings. Where'd you, you know, well, this is what you do in lieu of talent or My goodness. success. You just decorate yourself with trinkets. A little Liberace. You'll have your own, by the time you pass, you'll have your own museum, maybe. Uh, right? I, well, I, Zoe I hope Bowie so. Museum. Well, I'll tell you something. I was inspired by Elvis Presley and Sammy Davis Jr., and they, they decorated themselves with all kind of flamboyant, Artifacts and it things. It looks fantastic. And, uh, I need see, some. I come from that world. I, I love old vintage Vegas stuff. I, I believe uh, in keeping that maverick spirit alive. And if, if, if I can do a small little part in that uh, quest I have, then there you go. But I would love to see you this Friday. I think you got uh, Cobra Starship. Yes, we do. Coming in We there. do. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, I would love to join Come by. You. We'd love to have you. Well, I appreciate that. And once again, folks, you're watching Talk Tales on the Vegas Video Network. Uh, I'd like to remind you once again, please go to our email, which is talktales at vegasvideonetwork.com and send me your guest list so I can uh, give it to Sean and you're not going to get in. <laughs> 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 well, thank you, my friend. All uh, right. Uh, thank you. Congratulations to you and all your success here. And uh, I hope uh, we get to see you again. Thank you very much. You all right, everybody. Well. We all take care. And thank you so much. We'll see you in a couple Mondays from now. Take care.